0: Welcome, everyone. So this is a special episode. I was invited to Sport Tech Research podcast as a guest, and this podcast is hosted by Christophe Demay from Sport Tech Research Network. Christophe kindly allowed me to publish this episode also in Physical Activity Research podcast. You can listen it, but check out also his podcast and the Sport Tech Research Network, which is a non-profit initiative bringing together research-driven professionals from academia, industry, and sports field practice with the common goal to create and bring to market the most trustworthy and effective sports technology solution based on science. But without further ado, let the host of this episode, Christophe Dunay, start. Welcome to the Sportstack Research Podcast. We connect research-driven professionals working within the sports technology ecosystem. The show is brought to you by STRN, Sportstack Research Network. Your host for today is Christophe de Meij.
1: So Hi, everybody. Welcome again in the Sports Tech Research Podcast. This is already the fourth episode in the second series of episodes in which I'm interviewing other podcast hosts in the sports, health, physical activity, technology area. Today, I'm happy to speak to Oli from Fibion. So, Oli, welcome in the show and...
0: Yeah, thank you, Christoph, for inviting. I think it's good work you are doing and it's an honor to be as a guest.
1: Yeah, yeah. another way, of course, in bridging the gap is starting collaborations between researchers and industry. And of course, we all know there are a lot of funding schemes, both on the local level as on the European level, for example, trying to facilitate those type of collaborations. Are you aware of any good practices, or yeah, maybe other areas of research that need more attention for this type of collaboration, because of course, there's yeah a lot of time and money to be gained, of course, because often yeah you see researchers working in a certain area, could be muscle physiology or whatever it is, and then a startup, which is maybe good at developing the technology, but is not always aware about what is happening in certain areas that are relevant for their target groups any from the Fibion's experience or maybe from the conversations you had any experience to share on this level
0: yeah that's the big question I think usually governments are funding research and one idea is that you would get like innovative companies but how do you really do it and researchers are usually in a vacuum they are just reading scientific papers they're even within the scientific community, they are really small niches. They might not know like, about other, which is really close to muscle physiology. (laughs) They might not know that. So it's really a challenge. And I think you really need like personals in universities who are kind of innovation officers or somebody who's looking like all the research and kind of thinking that this could be something and discussing and making the links. And all these incubators and different things are good. I think you need a lot of informal discussions. Like, you know, just getting in the same table accidentally, lunch table and having a chat. And then you kind of start to get it because everybody's busy with their work. If you have a invitation for a webinar which doesn't get your grant funding or your paper or your promotion forward, you will say no. It needs to be usually, I think, informal things. You just need to meet with the coffee or lunch and kind of it needs to happen. So I think physical location is really important, even though we have all the tech that we can make webinars. (laughs) But how often do you now go to a webinar, which is not like super good for you? So yeah, I think there's a lot of challenges. And I think like in Belgium and some other European countries, you can do your internship in industry when you're doing PhD. Or you can do a PhD in a company in a way. Correct, correct. Yeah. Have you spoken to those type of people already in your area? No, I haven't too much, but I think that's a great idea. And I think in many countries, you don't have that. And I haven't seen the numbers, but I would guess that Belgium and Netherlands have more startups or spin-offs from universities than many other countries because of those
1: yeah i think it comes with some challenges as well of course for the phd candidate as well because at the one hand of course he has to do the research and he needs to create academic output and a phd in the end on the other hand he's involved in the operational activities within the company etc so i think it's more challenging but also i think well in my experience from the people that i know that have been in those type of collaborations they just they learn more and in terms of future ambitions and job opportunities they have more options because of that yeah if you look at it more generally then in terms of products out there in the market that needs more or better validation research i think fibon is a good example you've been involved in many research projects with the fibon technology so in that way Yeah, you could say that the technology is validated by many researchers given their feedback. I can imagine that they provided also when using the technology. Are there any other, let's say, areas of research that are needed in terms of validating? For example, I can imagine exo games, for example, they all over the place, but it's still very early stage when it comes to the scientific validation of those type of technologies, whereas in validating accelerometers, for example, yeah, that has been done for years.
0: Yeah, I think the validations are important. Like we shouldn't be using like technologies that the results are not even close to what they should be. So I think the validation are important. And quite often, like we are doing this sitting and activity analysis, it needs to be valid. Also, there's need for studies that you can validate that it actually makes behavior change. So we would need bigger studies like this. But I think those are many times quite challenging to arrange. Many times researchers are already planning something and then you kind of try to squeeze your solution in there. That what if we give this feedback here, but they have maybe some other intervention effects. So then it's kind of combination of those. and there could be need somehow that the industry partners could offer research ideas and kind of then researchers could select from a bigger pool and maybe there would be incentives sometimes they might get devices for free sometimes the company might be sponsoring the study but i have found that those are are quite difficult to arrange that you you get a good kind of effectiveness study and yeah, if you have a lot of time to spend to arrange those and money, then you can probably make them happen. But many startups don't have the time or money to get them through. So that's a challenge.
1: Yeah, for sure. And in the sports and health and fitness area, I think when it comes to rehabilitation and more medical type of technology there, of course, you need to do the validation research. That's a different world, of course, as compared to many other startups that don't have the financial resources to fund those type of effectiveness studies themselves. Cool. Another area, of course, is the implementation side. Now we talked about research and development and innovation, etc. But very interesting area, of course, is the whole implementation sciences and what goes well and wrong in implementing technology within certain environments. And your area can imagine elderly or implementing it in a corporate well-being program or those type of things. Did you have certain episodes talking about this aspect yourself or what are your learnings from this area?
0: Yeah, a lot of lessons probably from own startup. Like I said before, it might be good to have a one fail startup to learn <laughs> all of these kind of see it yourselves that ah, this is difficult, just kind of fail fast fashion that you try to do something. And maybe one thing to highlight i think it kind of answers this question is that hardware is hard like somebody have said and how do you create product without hardware development i think that's important because hardware will take a lot of time it will take a lot of money it is more challenging than it seems that you put battery and an accelerometer sensor together and put the plastic cover, but actually to make it, it is more challenging than you think. And if you can avoid that part, you have already saved like probably 1 million euros and you have saved so much time. So how can you go lean, how you can fail fast? One way is to not to spend any money or effort on hardware that you can actually make minimum viable product very easily and even before that, that, how can you really test the product idea with pen and paper and something like this that you don't spend a lot of time and money developing? This is kind of a classic lean method lesson. But how to really do in sport tech, in exercise tech, and I think the important part is not to do hardware. And there is solutions now which are OEM, like you have the Move Sense, which can measure ECG acceleration and and has a nice blue Bluetooth and it works really well for kind of when you want to have real-time feedback you want to do the results right away on a tablet I think that's a great platform for that and then if you want to do longer ones we are now offering also our Fibion Sense platform for OEM use so basically we have a seven gram sensor which is measuring three axis acceleration And it can measure 22 weeks with 12.5 hertz with one charge. So you get like the raw acceleration for a long time. And if you think that, for example, for rehabilitation purposes, you can actually measure, for example, every second week. And you can go basically a year without need to charge the device, without need to connect it. So... We have, for example, a couple of customers. There's one company which is developing like kind of gate analysis from daily life. And they contacted us, they found our solution. And we had just one discussion with the researchers and engineers that can our device actually fit to their purpose. And they thought that it can do everything they need. They had actually been developing hardware a bit and found out that, ah, this is actually much more challenging than we thought. So they just ordered a couple of devices for testing. And now they are testing. And now they are trying to find a clinical partner that they can do actually kind of clinical testing with real customers. And they will do their analysis from our raw data in the back end so kind of minimum viable product not scalable but just doing manually there but the clinical customer will actually get like full experience of the product and basically we can get this all done in just weeks like basically they just order the devices from us we set up the cloud account for them they do it in the back end And then if they find out that it works with the clinical people, we can create them the cloud instance and actually make their algorithms run automatically in the cloud. So trying to find ways how not to spend time and effort and money in hardware, but trying to get around it. So I think that's one of the lessons that is really important.
1: Any other thoughts on, let's say, the user side, let's say, the acceptance level, the adoption of the technology, the way people are motivated to use it? Because for sure, in sports tech, there's, I think, more and more attention, not only about the technical and sports scientific aspects, are we measuring correctly, can we develop the appropriate algorithms and come with the right conclusions, etc., But then, then what? like acting upon it and making sure that the end users in sports, it's athletes, coaches, physios, but it could also be, of course, consumers or patients or other people, of course, any, let's say lessons learned from your experience and the people you have talked to about the importance of those type of aspects, not only during development of the technology, but also then during the actual implementation in a certain context.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And if you think a researcher doing their daily work there with the laptop, maybe with the extra screen and the mouse and perfect ergonomics. And then if you think athletes, coaches, physios, they are practitioners. They are working with their hands, their feet. They are there on the grass field. They are there in the clinic. So you cannot develop something on a pc screen and you think that it will be used with the mouse and so on they if you think for example a physio you have the day booked full of of customers or patients they step in and you plan to do some measurements how many seconds you have to actually do that well you don't really have a chance for troubleshooting when do you need to hold like where is the patient Where is the tablet? How do you hold it? Is it like there's so many things that it needs to really fit perfectly for their workflow and you really need to develop it in that way that it's, you actually plan that, how does it fit? And of course, the best way is that if you are physio and you actually really start testing it. But it's very easy to forget when I'm working with the computer every day, it's, for example, email is natural for me, but other people who are living, they are going from place to place. They are only with the smartphone. It's different. So I think understanding the daily work of a customer, the daily workflows, how does it integrate their practices, how coaches need to get the feedback, how many seconds they have for checking the data, and what are the conclusions. like? You really need to provide value if it's something that you measure but it also needs to be super easy to understand. It needs to be straightforward. It needs to be feasible. Yeah, Yeah,
1: That's another area that many people underestimate, I think, in many cases. One is, as you mentioned, the technological development, which often takes more time and money. But another one definitely is adapting the technology to, let's say, the context and how it should be used. For example, in a physical therapy practice, people, they don't have much time, as we just discussed So it should be really smooth and quickly indeed. Yeah, Cool. Looking a little bit almost at the end of the episode, but looking a little bit more longer term, where are we in three to five years from now? Like what are the opportunities for future research and innovation in the areas that we discussed? Could be for Fibion, of course, but maybe more broader as well.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, I'm actually the wrong person for this because, <laughs> you know, when you are busy with your daily work, I haven't really had time to follow the sports research, the sports tech, like other companies, what innovations there are, are coming. So I don't really know well what's brewing there. So I think I'm the wrong one. Probably you know better with interviewing all the people, but I think, again, it's there's like really nice tech, like now the wireless connectivity, Bluetooth works nicely. In my product manager work, I was working with the Bluetooth technology and we had like 16 sensors communicating with one hub. And that was about 10 years ago. And I was the one who was sent to China in a hospital to set it up. And that was a disaster, like 16 Bluetooth connections in the same room. And (laughs) yeah, I got the headache many times. (laughs) But I think now the technology is working very nicely. And you have the clouds, you can run algorithms there. You have machine learning. So I think it's really golden age in a way to develop those products that are actually easy to use for the customer, that they really fit for their workflow. I think that's the thing. And many times marketing are taught promotion of products, but it's about thinking from the perspective of the customer. Like what do the physio do in its daily work? What do the athletes do? And how do you really create product for that? I think that's something to really think about. Going to the
1: roots, to the essence of things and really start from there. Cool. Maybe a final... Reflection. Interesting maybe to hear your thoughts on what you're trying to do with the whole network initiative. Any thoughts on how this could help you and Fibion and the ecosystem moving forward? What should be high on the priority lists of the STRN?
0: I think it's a very important initiative. It's a very important network. I think we are really lacking something like this and It's just important that the researchers and industry is discussing. It is important that we get like-minded people together to inspire each other and learn. So I think it's great. And as COVID is a little bit less severe in the world, you can also arrange face-to-face. But I think not to forget that it's quite handy with the breakout rooms and other things to actually meet people and get to know them so for example for me coming to belgium sometimes might be challenging so i would appreciate also this kind of just networking events where you are actually just kind of getting to know people online like breakout rooms and just having to do something and also maybe linked to this we as a fibian are now we are changing our strategy a bit because when we started look our strengths we understood that we are actually reaching a lot of researchers and health and fitness professionals now through the podcast and through the channels that we have kind of around it and i think those are the things that most startups and scale-ups are struggling they usually have a good technology but how can they reach the customers with cost effective ways, how can they tell their story? How can they educate their customers? And basically, with the podcast, for example, we can tell the story of how this professional can actually do this kind of analysis in their daily work. So I think we can fill in a nice spot there. So we are looking to collaborate with more companies that are actually having like really good quality activity tracking solutions for professionals and hopefully products we already have product market fit that we know that it meets the demand. So our overreaching term umbrella is professional activity tracking and we will have our own products there and then we'll have new products under there. And we are having a couple of negotiations with really nice products so we can have soon new information. So if there's any company who's doing professional activity tracking and maybe could need more effective marketing and sales funnel, just drop me an email at olli@vivian.com, o l l i, and we can just have a chat and see if there could be collaboration possibility. And I think in this case it's quite easy to find a win-win win solution that even the customers are benefiting in addition, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there's great potential indeed in building those type of, let's call it B2B relationships or partnerships indeed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also if I add to that, it's like many professionals, they are getting contacted a lot, for example, in hospitals, some doctors who treat certain patients. If you have like 12 different companies contacting, do you really have time? But if you kind of can bring those together And then have just a quick chat that, all right, this product is probably good for you. You don't really need these others. And yeah, it works more effectively when you have actually a bigger portfolio to show.
1: Nice, nice evolutions, both I think for you, but also for clients and people working in the field indeed to do this more time efficient. I always end this episode with a final question. Are you having any favorite podcast episodes yourself?
0: Yeah, of our own podcast. I didn't have time to check what was the name of the guest. This was a little bit long time ago, but the title of the episode is something like How Not to Screw Up Collaboration with Industry.
1: Oh, yeah. That was for researchers. <laughs> I need to have a listen.
0: Yeah, I did the recording some time ago. It was a researcher, and industry person from Australia, a really experienced guest. And he had good points. He have been kind of working in the intersection. And I think for listeners of your podcast, I think that's an important episode to check how not to screw the collaboration. <laughs> we'll add
1: it to the notes in the descriptions. With this, yeah, thank you very much, Oli, for sharing your thoughts. Was there anything else you wanted to add?
0: No, it was a pleasure chatting with you. And like I said, you are doing really good work with this network and this podcast. And if anyone has any questions, whether it's collaboration, whether it's asking for tips for something, just contact me any way possible. My email is at com. So yeah, just drop me an email if you have any questions. Awesome. Thank you very much, Oli, And yeah, to you listening, thanks
1: as well, of course. Happy to mention that we are planning to have a physical event in September. So 14th and 15th of September, the Sports Tech Research Innovation Summit will be in Ghent and there is some information already available on the website and more about that soon, of course. And as always, thanks again. Hope you liked it and see you next time. Bye-bye.
0: This was a Sports Tech Research Podcast. Podcast presented to you by STRN, an initiative of Ghent University. Did you like this episode? Make sure to check out our website strn.co. And let's get in touch.